Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a great day and welcome to the Creative Outline Podcast. Um, If you guys are looking for any art inspiration or just different types of inspiration that you can pull from, as well as interviews and other stuff that I do, then you have come to the right place. Today, we're talking about interior design and architecture of the Victorian era. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Thanks for listening. guys welcome back um if you guys have been here three weeks in a row go you (laughs) give yourself a pat on the back because thank you so much for listening i appreciate it um i just wanted to go over a couple things before we start as i said we're going to be going over um interior design and the architecture um i grew up in colorado springs um this is where the victorian era very much like very vibrantly still lives um it, it it's still very present in Colorado Springs. Um, from Victoria homes, Victoria, from Victorian homes to full-blown museums, the era always reminds me of innovation and advancement. So if you don't know Colorado's history, we're a pass-through state. Um, we're often referenced in, and this is a very dark notion, just a warning, but we're known as the pass-through state because this is where you either drop bodies or pick them up so it, it it it's known for that um but at the same time it's also a pass-through state because it's not fully cultured and most of colorado is precedently white and that is true in our history because the history of colorado is old white men moved here started their you know whatever multi-millionaire corporations that still last to this day or they're um, mining for gold, and they would build these crazy Victorian homes. This is where the first elevators were invented, um, the first kind of communication systems that weren't using face-to-face contact. Um, These were all things that were happening in the Victorian era that started with these old white men (laughs) building homes. Um, For once, it wasn't in the South. and I'm not I'm not really familiar, so we'll go over that, actually. We'll, we'll look into that. But I, I like to talk about it because it was something that has always been around me. And, you know, being a kid and walking around these really old homes, you know, um, it just made me think, especially because I've been watching uh, Bridgerton lately, which is based in, like, the late 1800s at the end of the Georgian period. And with that... It's like these grandeur houses, these big, big houses that like everybody had their own castle basically or their own estate, you know. And what's crazy to me is they had so much intention with how it's being built because these were meant to keep lineages. You know, these were meant to keep families upon families upon families inside them. It was a family estate, you know, and that's the crazy thing because we think about houses these days and we're like, yeah, that one's cool. You know, like we don't really put much thought into what makes a home a home. Whereas in the Victorian era, that was also a part of the culture that it was dominantly the female or or the feminine um, in the home that was taking care of it. It was her place. Whereas the man's place was at work, you know, you know, you know the story. And <laughs> basically you can look at the architecture within these houses and see the designs that have upheld because of the materials they're using and because of the things that they're putting into these homes. Um, One of my favorite 
is a reference from the Titanic, and I'm not talking about the metalwork, okay? <laughs> we don't have to talk about that. But <laughs> what I am talking about is the woodwork. Um, it was seen a lot in the dining halls inside the Titanic, but they're absolutely beautiful. And the beams are still holding up the Titanic to this day, even with the water pressure that they are at. Um, so just keep that in mind. This this is what I'm talking about when it comes to sustainable building and sustainable furniture is, have you ever seen a Victorian house that didn't kick it for more than 100 years? You know? And ha have you ever seen that Victorian table in your grandma's house that hasn't just like stood against all odds? Like, tell me I'm wrong, you know? <laughs> I just think it's really interesting to go into because I live in a place where and I'm not going to lie, like, it's just how the world works these days. But I live in a place where I'm surrounded by a lot of cheaply manufactured things, like cheaply manufactured tables and bedspreads and, and stuff like that. And like, that's just the way of the world now. I get it because we can mask, you know, mass sell globally on a huge scale to a bunch of people. And at the same time, people are moving around much more than they used to, you know, so it's really hard to get that Victorian table when you can just buy a new one off of Amazon that weighs close to nothing, you know, so <laughs> I can't blame people and I'm not blaming people, but the difference between quality, because we've exchanged quality for quantity, you know, we make 10 times more for the exact opposite of quality whereas like these tables even to the bathrooms um you know the gold fixtures inside the bathrooms the lion's feet on the bathtubs you know um the nice couches with the woodwork in them um you know doorways and and um kitchen areas um the dining hall um it, it, even like dining tools had a lot more intention than we do today and as i'm saying this i understand that it's for the upper class which we'll also look into upper class versus lower class and like what was the norm back then but we're going to talk about sustainability too because of course there are nice furniture makers in the present um which is like that's cool <laughs> but i'm more interested in the victorian style because i've been surrounded by it so We'll take a deep dive into this. So upper class versus lower class. Um, upper class was made up of royal families, lords, ladies, earls, barons, dukes, duchesses, and other titled people. Education, which I found was interesting, was allowed for both boys and girls. Uh, working class lived in the slums housing or they worked um, underneath people who were of the upper class. Um, children were lucky to receive education, you know, not unheard of in the lower class, and most would continue the poverty cycle after becoming married. Um, one thing that brings me back to Bridgerton is they depict, um, this really well, like the dynamics between all the families and the friends in the show. Um, one of the Duke's friends, his name is Simon. He's in the first season. He's like the main love interest, but He's part, he, one of his friends is a part of the middle class and his friend's name is Will Monbridge and, or Monbridge. And uh, he's in a class called the middle class. So it's not the lower class and it's not the upper class. It's the middle class. So specifically what it means is he's in a class where he was able to move up in the ranks and you know, that that's always possible, but it's like, hard <laughs> and and he's a good example because 
he has a family and he starts off in a boxing ring and he keeps trying to like push the status quo, keeps trying to get out of this kind of state of life to better his family. Um, and he eventually gets to it. Um, yeah, they, you know, they show a lot of the upper class having like upper class problems, which is like, you know, oh no, you know, like it's hard to relate to. Um, but then you have the Featherington household. Um, and this one's interesting because it's a family that struggles to stay in the upper class because of their position. Um, and there are two reasons because of that. Portia, uh, is the mother and she only births three girls only. I say that lightly, but you know, in the time she only birthed three girls. Are you serious? With nobody to take over the Featherington name. And two, Lord Featherington has a gambling issue, which is known by most of the upper class. So they don't have the best reputation. And that was something that was really prominent in the show, but also the fact that they don't have, they'll only marry off, you know, so they already look you know, in the eyes of the people, like money mongers, which is like just unfair. But you know that you know the upper class in the 1800s. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> it's interesting to see the dynamics between the family and what they all hope to earn and achieve. Like even between each family, like how they treat each other based on how society works. Um, it's very interesting. And honestly, Will Monbridge, which is the first character, uh, the Duke's friend that I uh, mentioned, is. Not super a part of it, but I think that's because he has a very um, rags to riches look, whereas Bridgerton is about the upper class. Um, but now back to homes and housing. We'll be kind of jumping around. I tried to write notes, um, and this was really fun to research, but sorry if it's messy. It's, you know, it's just my thoughts. Um, the style of Victorian housing is modeled after Rococo and Baraku. Um, at the end of the at the end, oh, at the second half of the 18th century, these styles were accused of abuse of freedom, and this was because they were mixing classical elements in unorthodox ways. Rococo was known as suave and princess aesthetic. So, you know, you can think of it, princes, princesses, you know. Um, this gave a romantic feel to the homes while also maintaining them with steel and removing the brick. So, this was like early on because this particular article that I reference is from 1750 to the 1900s. So we stretch pretty far back, you know, um, but we're going to take a deep dive into the Titanic, which I mentioned in the beginning. And Lord, I think his name is Pierre, Pierre, I think, uh, is the man who constructed a grand hall named after the Titanic. Well, I guess it's named after the Titanic because it sank, but it also, it was made six years before. Um, and it, he's also known for constructing the interior design of the Titanic. So there's a lot of similar elements in the hall that were known to be in the Titanic. So I keep talking about these and these will keep coming up because these were a big piece period of the 19th century and the 1900s is wood fixtures and they call it millwork. Um, and these were period designs. So like cornicing, ceiling designs and columns, stainless windows, like all these designs that they made were specifically tailored for just the Titanic and the sister of the Titanic, which is the Olympus. Near the 20th century, quality design was at its peak. 
And the White Swan Hotel, which is in Anrick, Britain, or the British Isles, uh, refurbished and refurbished and if I could speak, refurbished a replica of the Titanic's dining hall in 1936 to give, um, you know, to show remorse if that's the right thing to say, but it's, it's 3 a.m. Okay. Give me a break. Um, but there was a specific stairway that was made for the ship. And that's the interesting part that I like to claim about this is that there's, they made it specifically just for the Titanic. Like there is nothing else like it, like nothing. Um, these people that made these craftsmanship, like are called the Belfast ship workers. Um, they put many details into the Titanic and it speaks to the uniqueness in the design when it specifically uh, speaks to the golden age of sea travel. So there was plasterwork ceilings, um, wood paneling, and Harlan Wolf is responsible for the wood carvings found on Olympus. Craftsman spent many hours working on many marvelous wood fixtures. So again, I, I can't really give you, because you guys are only listening to me, but if you just look it up, um, just look up millwork in uh, Victorian housing. And you can even look up uh, in one of my links below, I put the Titanic interior design and like what time to start it out because you can skip 20 minutes and and go past it. But um, it was a selling point for Harland. Like he did this on purpose um, because it was for high class people. And back in the day, same to this day, quality means more value. So this was originally thought of in like 1911, 1912, um, I believe around the time that the Titanic was being made. But there is no other uh, light fitting like the one specifically made for the Titanic. As I'm saying, like what I'm saying and like my goal when I'm saying this is that these things were made specifically like this craftsmanship, craftsmanship was made specifically for these things you know that's the thing like there is so much design behind it because they have an idea the whole room is music oriented because the room that they're going through specifically in the video is um the the dining hall and so you get to see all the wood fixtures and everything that's like very detailed in the wood like they go over this one wood paneling that has like really cool details like in the wood like they carved it into the wood like a music book and the music notes on top of the book and a flower behind it and a ribbon over it you know like it takes levels and time to do this um and it gave a window for master craftsmen um in that area and brought a lot of people together so i just thought that was interesting it's always interesting to go over the titanic um i also went through this one house it's in the south so I'm glad I researched it because I, I found it, but um, it's called a Queen Anne Victorian house. So it was built in 1899 and it's most like, it's most striking because it really speaks to the era that it was a part of. And there's like just a lot of kooky and funny ideas that they came up with. Um, like one of the staples of this house is a wraparound porch. You'll see it a lot in Victorian housing. Um, also there was copper on the roof, sandstone and marble brick, um, quality of products were fine and expensive, like making this house and it's super extra because it could be like, it was the middle of the industrial, like, or I guess the late industrial period. And it was super easy 
for machines to finally make these things. Otherwise, it'd be too expensive to get a craftsman to do it. Um, it was the early lying, uh, lighting period and pre-air conditioning period. Well-built and well-designed. So as I said before, these houses are meant to like last. Like made out of fucking sandstone, marble brick. You know, I, I'm not sure about copper. But, you know, it, it lasts at least. Um, but... <laughs> Inside is, since it's a part of the industrial period, as I said before, uh, and like, there's this cool thing, there's like lots of, they call it contrapines, um, for airways above the doors, um, which are called transom bars. So basically you push a bar like up and down and it opens the window so you have airflow through the house, um, and the window is placed right above the door. Um, millwork carvings. So as I said before, that's wood carvings, um, and like the design in them. So there's carvings and then there's the beading and bracketing. So that's like, you know, making different shapes and curating different designs inside them. Um, and is, it, it can be used with different woods. So with the different woods and like in this period, it was so easy to make them that it wasn't as expensive again, but you have coffered ceilings, so you mean like you have textured ceilings, textured wood ceilings, um, and then they have like a maple wood living room in this video, in this particular house, and it's interesting because they used different types of woods to like show off. Like, could you imagine? Like, this is the mahogany room, you know. Like, <laughs> this is the maple wood room, you know. Like, they just did it to kind of show off. Um, and then they have this really weird contraption called a gasolier, and it's it's like a lamp, okay? It's like a hanging lamp, but then it has this weird candle next to it, like attached to it, and you can turn a lever and it just turns on a candle. So it like lights it like a gas candle, you know? Like it's weird. It's of course like a fake candle, but like it's just interesting to me because it's a super like scary hazard. Like <laughs> it's just like gas openly like flaming in your house, you know? Like and it's really close to the ceiling, you know? Like <laughs> I don't know. It sounds hazardous. Anyway, um, class systems, which I find super interesting in this, can be seen inside this home. So the interior um, between the classes is shown by the color and lack of texture and value. So on one hand, you'll have these grand textures, values, prints, um, you know, all these things like flooring, the cabinets, like everything is just really nice. And then you get to like the help or the servants side of it. And it's just like the plainest color. <laughs> and like even it can be shown to the smallest thing. Like it's simplified to like even the doors are in comparison. Like the doors and I'm sure like the freaking, um, what is that? Knobs of the doors and stuff like that. You can just tell the quality is different and it's simplified. It's so interesting to me because it's like, I don't know if it feels like more effort and I get it. It's less money, but like at the same time, it feels like more effort to change the design just because you think somebody's in a lower class. But I guess it's like, you know, their, their way of being assholes and being like, this is too established that I'm better than you. You know, like I really, I really think that's what it is. Um, but do I have anything else for this chapter in particular? Okay, we'll get into specific, um, I'll go into one design that I, is in my hometown, 
and then I guess we'll take it from there. Yeah. Yep. Okay, this is either my last segment or there's a segment after this, but I wanted to talk about the Winchester house. So if you guys aren't aware, um, the Winchester house was built by Sarah Winchester after her late husband had passed away. Same with her uh, baby daughter. Or um, And yeah, she, she was sad and she was grieving. Um, it's said that she was really into the occult. There's other sources that say that she just, you know, was just a lady. Um, but I like to believe the other version. You can believe whatever you want, you know. But <laughs> um, she was really into architecture. And it was said that she, like, really believed in spirituality as far as, like, occultism. And she believed that every person taken by the Winchester rival, rifle was kind of, like, angry at her and, like, out for revenge. So she made her house a labyrinth in order to um, compensate, in order to repay the spirits. Um, and she was obsessed with the number 13, making every window you know, every window set 13. Um, she bought glass panes by the hundreds. Uh, she put 13 nails in each door, you know, the lore. And it's it can be all speculation until you actually visit the house, which is in San Francisco, California. Um, I just thought we should talk about this because it is the kookiest 1900s house ever. <laughs> there are doors leading to a three fucking, like three-story drop, okay? There's like, um, there's like one door that's like inside the house that's laying flat and it leads to like a three-story drop. She used to have a seven-story tower um, and she completely, like her house was ever building, like she was ever advancing her home, you know, and I think that's really cool. And I think it speaks to this age that I really, that it, it really appeals to me particularly because the Victorian era was an age of exploration. And I think about that a lot because it was an age of innovation where that's not really valued much anymore. And I don't like that because it was such a cool thing back then. Like, look at these wood fixtures. Look at all this stuff we're creating and we're doing it for the betterment of people and like housing and 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 I'll, I'll I'll touch on that lightly because it was the upper class, but you know you know what I mean. Like there was a lot more design and art involved, and and just creation, like building from the mind. And now it feels like innovation is is not the period that like people want. And what I say by people is, um, um you know, other classes, you know, like they don't want us to create the way they did, you know, because it isn't a period where, where you're valued or accepted for doing something different. You know, you're not, and, and in a lot of ways, that was a huge thing back in that period. You know, you, you, you didn't go to the status quo. Oh my God, die. Literally. Like they're like, you're gay, die. <laughs> <laughs> you you birth three daughters die okay like you're, you're a certain race die you know you're, <laughs> you know like they didn't give a fuck like in and I get it this this time was very brutal but in the world of art particularly and and architecture and interior design I just find that 
it was such a period of of like exploration and i don't know i can't really speak to it because i wasn't there so this is all from my expected uh, perspective and like just taking the things that i like because i wasn't there for that time period i wasn't there for all the shittiness you know because there were actually some very hazardous things living in the 1900s but at the same time aesthetically <laughs> i truly enjoy the amount of commitment and authenticity and uniqueness that goes into each piece because as i said before it's specifically made for each um you know each home it's 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 a thing of like it's an expression you know of of that artist um an expression of the time period, you know, like they were passionate about it. And you can tell by the woodwork and by the paneling and um, by the the wood carpets, you know, like it, it, it's like a huge thing um, back in that day to be innovative, you know, and like, I don't know, I kind of I kind of miss the intricacy um, that I see, you know, in 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 that kind of design. And I guess that you know, just speaking, again, just speaking of the art form, objectively, not anything else in the culture, I think that, I feel like what I'm saying when it comes to, like, innovation is, like, you get knocked for just trying, you know, like, people will shit on you just for saying something, like, sometimes I get worried during my podcast that I'm not saying things right, or if I'm rushing through things, or, you know, and it's, like, dude, at the end of the day, I'm trying, <laughs> like, you know, like when you try something new or you try to do something outside of the status quo, yes, it's more accepted these days. Of course, it's more accepted than the 1900s. But at the same time, the only difference is I feel like you are way like in a way bigger spotlight for trying than back then. And I think that's the difference because they made some kooky ass house designs where they were like, yeah, let's put a horn in this room and then have a pipe that's all the way through the flooring and the wall to another horn in the kitchen. And then the lady can just yell through the horn and talk to the maid that way. You know, like it, it was like weird ass, like innovative thinking, you know, like pulleys and like um, the, the laundry chutes and stuff like that. They were really smart designs but in a way to me they were very playful and I don't know if I just saw them saw them in that perspective because I was a kid but also like the hidey holes and just like the technology overall um and like again back to the design it there was just like a lot of intention in the home and the home space and that brings me to another fact of like are you creating in a space that you're kind of comfortable in or, or, you know, kind of proud of. Um, I've recently got to that, even though it's not Victorian furniture and it's not the nicest stuff, I have found a system that makes me feel inspired. Again, I innovated a system that works for me. And one of the things that works for me is I put my sketchbook um, I'm a very visual person, so I put my sketchbook up on the wall. So every time I draw my sketchbook, I take the drawing out, put it on the wall so that I'm able to see my progress and what needs to be fixed. And this might bother some people. It's not for everyone, but it's just my idea of what actually works for my brain. And I think that's where a lot of people in the Victorian era were at 
as far as like innovating their own houses where they were like, what is going to work best for me? And I think that's something that we often don't think about. Of course, in the Victorian era, you had to have the money to be able to do that, right? And I think that's the same struggle to this day where we're like, I don't have the money to be thinking about what's going to be the most fucking, you know, technological live, you know, like, and I understand that. But at the same time, what can you do right now that is innovative in your, in this time period, you know, and, and people are making huge strides. Like people are making fantastic music, um, very like woke music, very uh, woke art, you know, and I, I just want to see it like. I think a big goal of mine has always been like paint the col- like paint the city in colors, you know, like I just want to see an entire city like fucking crazy colors, like almost hurts your eyeballs colors <laughs> because I just get sick of things being bland and I know people have a different perspective than me, but don't you guys like, like tell me if you agree with me in the comments, I'll put it on Twitter so you guys can like ask and stuff, but like Tell me if you feel this way, where you feel like everything's kind of boring and like the same shape over and over again, whereas like it could be round, it could be, you know, velvet, um, it could be a crazy pattern, it could be bright yellow or bright orange, ooh, a bright orange couch, yes. But like, you know what I mean? Like these things where you can make life just a little more bouncy and maybe in some opinions some people like their life a little more square, you know, like some people like this where they're like, yes, business casual, you know, and I, (laughs) I don't understand it. But like, I want to know your guys's perspective on like, what makes your space your space and what makes it work for you. Because I think it's really cool in the Victorian era, how they focus so much on the space. They focus so much on the detail of how the space looks. And that can be said to today, you know, but it's not the same in my opinion, like we can make a, uh, a bedroom look fairy core. Right. But like back in the day, like if you asked, like, I don't know, people in like the 16th century to like make a fairy core room, do you know how hard they would go? Do you know how fucking hard they would go? (laughs) Like, you know what I'm saying? Like they would fuck, they put a lake in there. Okay. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there was this level of dedication back in the day and again it had a lot to do with money but i don't even see that in like the upper class anymore where they're even innovating anything that is like just visually beautiful you know and again like during this victorian period people did shit because they could you know like and and if you're in that position then do it you know like what what do you you know like what the fuck you know like I don't understand how people are not making underwater rooms you know like I don't don't get it and like it confuses me because I don't know it's just like it's such a cool concept to curate a space because we can curate so many things and like you can see that in film and and stuff like that and maybe for like my videographers out there um like the direct choice to you know make again like an underwater room or a fairytopia or uh, a princess castle like would you do it what aesthetic would you personally build that is your own that like captures the essence of you and can be used uh, efficiently whether that's for a music video whether that's your room whether that's anything 
And that's something I need to work on too. It's something I've been thinking about a lot since I've been watching Bridgerton is like, what do I really like want my room to look like? Because I'm one of those people that just like plaster shit on my wall. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't think about it really. And like, I thought about it too, because I live with my sister and she really curates a space that's like hers. Right. And of course it's modern. She's also a Virgo. So it's like very, it, it's like, everything has to be even, <laughs> you know, like, um, everything has to be, um, a particular way, you know, and of course everybody's different. So it's like, it's just not my way. Um, but I'm, I'm a technically a pretty like messy, like maximalist and I don't want to be like, I want to have a shelf for everything. I want things to have a place and like to have a home, but like, you know, when you move into a new place, sometimes it's just not it yet. Okay. I'm trying. And like, that's the thing too, is I want you guys to think about a space that you could curate because what I'm going for is like everything that reminds me of me, everything that I like. So I'm going to have some like, you know, fairy, lots and lots of plants aesthetic mixed with like tarot and like this like magical aesthetic and then have like my super like I don't know I don't want to be but whatever fuck it like my 3d art and my you know like snowboard and my uh longboard up on the wall you know like I just want to have what reminds me of me out here you know out in this bitch and like I want to feel good about it <laughs> you know because I think that I just think about things in in, in a lot grander places and I think that I need to like lower my scale you know because then I look back in the past like in history and I'm like look at these grand oak you know millwork carvings you know and it's like Liv you're not there though <laughs> you you can't afford millwork carvings bitch okay like and so if you guys understand me and you like feel me about that where it's like hard to find a way you know to like curate your space right now because you're broke or you just you know you just have insufficient funds you know I feel like it's a good idea to figure out either an aesthetic like a mood board or you know um start making shit like crafting stuff um and yeah just like start blending ideas together of like what your aesthetic and like what your vibe is actually like um, so I guess that's my task for you guys. Um, you don't have to do it, but it's just something for you to think about, you know? Um, but other than that, I think I'm going to end the podcast here. Uh, I will put all links below for the Winchester house, the queen, um, and Victorian house, as well as the Titanic video and such and such. So thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week. Make sure you come for next week where I interview, uh, my friend Mackenzie. So. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope to see you guys next week. And if you guys made it to the end, give yourself a pat on the back because this one was kind of a mess. So <laughs> thank you so much for listening again. And I hope you have a great week. Bye-bye.